Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today is here. We've got some fresh breaking news off the Fantasy Football Injury Wire. We'll get to that and also talk to Jamie Eisenberg. Don't go away. Fantasy Sports Today. Hour number two starts right now. Fantasy Sports Today. Sports today, hour number two of the show. Great to be with you guys, and we got you here, and we got you here for the next hour. So good to be with you for hour number two of our two-hour Friday extravaganza. I am Craig Mish, and you can always dial up this show at 844-843-6879. Two o'clock Eastern full-time fantasy takes over. Sean Guastamaki is producing this show. Jamie Eisenberg joins us always for hour number two of our program. I got some college football to talk about here also in this hour. And a little exit velocity surrounded with Patrick Mahomes. Just to recap, as you heard there in the update, top story is us waiting and waiting and waiting for the MRI results of Patrick Mahomes. Here we are. Did you think that an hour into this show we still would have nothing? Hopefully uh, this afternoon we will. Did Andy Reid even have his press conference yet? In uh, in Kansas, I guess they were in Denver last night, so maybe that that's uh, coming a little bit later today. But boy, that is a huge story and a huge result from the world of fantasy when we find out that because that's going to cause a lot of people to decide what they want to do. I I look, I, I'm not familiar with this injury in particular, this uh, kneecap movement uh, situation, but at least the smart people who seem to report on the NFL are saying three weeks which means you got to have a backup plan. Like that's This is not the kind of thing where he's going to miss a week and come back, I don't think. And by the way, it's interesting because what we tend to do is, and we should be optimistic in life, and we should be optimistic in fantasy, we should be optimistic on all things. We should be glass-half-full type people. But when Saquon Barkley went down, uh, it was like it was doom and gloom. And then if you remember, two weeks into that injury, it was, oh, he's going to come back sooner. Guess what? Barkley missed exactly the amount of time that we thought that he was going to miss. Exactly the amount of time. So, um, yeah, I I think that probably three weeks sounds right. Hopefully it's not longer than that. If Mahomes is out for the year, Chiefs are clearly done. Mahomes is out for the year, your fantasy team is probably done, sadly. Because you got to this point on the shoulders of Mahomes, no doubt. Uh, Amari Cooper, good news for him and the Dallas Cowboys. There is at least it looks like a good chance that uh, that Cooper could end up playing this week against uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. Did I just say Phillies? Philadelphia Eagles. It tells you I have baseball on the mind, right? 
Philadelphia Phillies. Who <laughs> got baseball on my mind? Against the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, that's good. Randall Cobb could play as well. Boy, what a monster game! This is this is one of those games where even if I don't have any action on on Sunday, I'm probably going to end up wanting to watch this one because it feels like this is an NFL game where the loser gets more attention than the winner. I know that happens a lot in the NFL, but this is really one of those games where the pressure is on. Uh, probably more so on Dallas because they're home. Like, if Philadelphia loses, you could say, well, you know, they were on the road. You know, they could still win a few more games and get in. Dallas loses. My gosh. Like, that's, like, apocalyptic in a Sunday night division game against uh, against against Philly, man. Hmm. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Zion Williamson, first round, first overall pick, is going to miss weeks of action. Is that correct, Sean? Did I hear that correctly? That's bad news for people in the uh, NBA world. Now, look, we've come to an NBA fantasy world at this point where I think most people, and the great people over at DailyRoto.com will tell you this too, I think most people in fantasy are playing in uh, in the DFS format as opposed to the season-long. It, it's become so difficult to play season-long fantasy. At least for, look, may, may, I shouldn't speak for everyone. I speak for me. When you have... Uh, September, October, November, yeah, there are going to be some times where players are going to take a rest day or a travel day. They're just not going to play. You can get away with that. But then when you get to February and March, and these dudes are like, you never know who's going to play until now it's like 60 minutes before the game as opposed to 30. But how how can you possibly play anything other than best ball in the NBA? Just set your lineup at the beginning of the year and just go see what happens. I can't get involved in that. But Williamson, that's got to be bad news for uh, for New Orleans. And he was having such a nice preseason that it it is kind of disappointing for him for sure. So those are the uh, top news and notes here. I'm hoping at some point during the show to have an update for you on Patrick Mahomes. If we do not, it will come at 2 o'clock Eastern with the guys in full-time fantasy. No doubt Adam Rodas and Dr. Rodas are going to carry you through that show and give you some great advice as to what to do as uh, far as that's concerned. But coming up next, I have some thoughts on the college football playoff. We are less than two months away from finding that out, the top four teams in all of college football, who will be playing for it. I have have some ideas, and ideas that you may not like because I think there's a chance for those of you SEC haters that the Southeastern Conference could very well have at least two teams playing in the Final Four. There is definitely a shot of that. And I'll give you some ideas of some potential teams that it may look like if the SEC does not have two teams in the Final Four as well. Then Jamie Eisenberg will join us. He's got some good options of replacing Flacco, some upcoming matchups at quarterback of guys that you could pick up right now if you're in that kind of first-come, first-served league where you don't have to wait for waivers. He'll give you some ideas on that and some great DFS sleepers, cheap sleepers, for the weekend as well. And that's how we're set up here for the remainder of this show right here on Fantasy Sports Today on this Friday. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. We have plenty more to come as we dive into college football coming up next. Here is the question. Does the loser of Alabama LSU still get into the college football championship playoff no matter what happens here coming up in a couple of weeks? That's the question that I'm going to answer coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mitch. Don't go away. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. Hey, welcome back. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you here on the show. We got Jamie Eisenberg coming up next. We're going to talk a little fantasy football with him, go over the Thursday night game, and then, of course, uh, preview the fantasy football weekend. Lots to get to with him on the show. Uh, the other thing that I find really interesting that I wanted to touch on here in uh, in this segment of the show the college football season at this point is really coming down to the end getting interesting and the one question I think that everybody should have on their mind as we head toward the college football playoff is are two teams from the southeastern conference an absolute lock to get into the college football championship now This is a really tough scenario that I think is going to be a big focus in a couple of weeks, and I'll explain to you why. Right now, as it stands, Clemson going undefeated, which appears that they will, will be a member of the four-team college football playoff. I don't think that there is any question about that at this point. The other thing that you're going to have is, in all likelihood, barring something unforeseen, between Ohio State and Oklahoma, one of those two teams, for sure, has a really good opportunity to get into the championship. Those are the two. Here is the problem that sits in front of us as we head toward November and then the final decision that's going to be made. Here it is. LSU is going to play Alabama coming up very soon. And with the way that LSU has played, and with the way that Alabama has played and the perception of Alabama... Is there any chance that losing to each other, one of these losses, would knock this team out of the playoff for a no-loss team? Now, this could settle itself. It may not matter. It could be a moot point. But if, let's say, hypothetically, LSU uh, loses to Alabama. Now, Alabama will be favored in that game. Yeah, touchdown, maybe. Could be something like that. At that point, LSU could could wiggle their way out of the playoff. But what if they sit at the four spot? Well, here's the problem. LSU won't play in the SEC championship game if they lose to Alabama. And conversely, if LSU beats Alabama, neither will the Tide. Now, the Crimson Tide obviously have a very big game against Auburn. There's no doubt that that's always a competitive game. But in terms of the SEC, it's not like the East has a formidable foe in that championship game, unless somehow Georgia gets their act together, puts themselves in that position, and then gives either Alabama or LSU a fight. I don't know if I see that after what I saw last week against South Carolina. And a lot of mistakes were made. They could have easily won the game. But Georgia is clearly on the outside looking in. That loss to South Carolina probably ruined them. 
So in the East, what you're looking at is Georgia still being a possibility, Florida being a clear possibility. They play South Carolina this week. They win that game. That puts them in a spot. And then, of course, you have Missouri and you have some other teams as a chance. But none of those teams would seem to have a chance against Bama or against LSU. So if that's the case, you could have a four-seed playoff LSU on the outside looking in of any games at the end of the year, not having to play a conference championship and still get in that playoff. There is an absolute chance that that happens. And you could say the same thing if somehow LSU pulls off some miracle win. Well, maybe not even miracle. They're a real good team against Alabama. Then I also think that there's a chance that Alabama won't play in their conference championship, but still would qualify for the playoff. That's crazy to think, but that's really the, what the playoff has done and the reason why this needs to expand beyond four games, beyond four teams. You could have an undefeated Ohio state or an undefeated Oklahoma, not in the final four. Now, most of you would be playing the other side of this and say, Craig, you're nuts. If you're telling me that if LSU loses to Alabama, that they're still going to put them in over undefeated Oklahoma or undefeated Ohio State, we don't know how these games are going to play out at the end of the season. And it could very easily be settled if Ohio State somehow loses to Michigan, which they never do. If Oklahoma loses you know, one of their games at the end of the season, which you never know, it certainly could happen. But it would appear to be unlikely. And we know Clemson is not losing. I mean, Clemson is, they just have nothing on the schedule whatsoever. I mean, who, who is going to show up and beat that team? LSU, or Clemson has been sleepwalking through half of this season. And it hasn't even mattered. So as we sit here and look at it, some major upset would I think have to happen or else we could be in a very big danger zone this season because this is what college football wants. There's a reason why the SEC on CBS has the highest television rating. There's a reason why ESPN is part of the SEC network. It is the conference that people watch. And football is king in the country. It is really king in the Southeast. I can tell you that. I went to the University of Florida. I know how this works. You're also going to have a chance to see the potential Heisman Trophy winner in Tua Tagalova. And guess who right now is the outside chance to win the Heisman Trophy winner who is right there? The quarterback of LSU, Joe Burrow. You don't think that they're not going to want that rematch? Think about this. Let's say Alabama beats LSU 24-23 coming up here. And then they have a chance to make that a rematch game. You think they're not going to want that? Oh, my gosh. Of course they are. And then poor Ohio State or poor Oklahoma on the outside looking into this thing. And let's not get some crazy ideas that there are some teams, by the way, beyond those that still have a chance to play for the championship because there are not. There are none. There is no darling UCF this year, okay? I don't care where you have Notre Dame ranked. There is no chance that you're putting Notre Dame in the playoff. None, please don't. We saw that play out last year. Can you imagine what would happen if Notre Dame plays Alabama? (laughs) You know how ugly that thing is going to be? They cannot compete with some of these athletes that uh, some of these other teams have. They just can't. And don't get me wrong. They've looked great in the regular season again this year, but there's a reason why there is no buzz about them. And the reason why is because they just can't go toe to toe with some of these teams. They just can't. Now, uh, last night I thought we saw an interesting game. I don't know if you guys caught this, but Stanford had beaten UCLA 11 straight times. 
<laughs> until UCLA beat Stanford. That was a game that I fully had UCLA penciled in as a loss at the beginning of the season. They were 2-4 and four going into that game. This is the worst college football season for Stanford that we've seen, what, in a decade at least? Like going back to, what, pre-Andrew Luck at Stanford? We're going back a long way. An ugly, ugly loss for them at home. Hey, Chip Kelly has only won, what, three games in two years or four games into, against any kind of ranked opponent or anyone? How does that even happen? Not a lot to like about some of these Pac-12 teams. I got to tell you, that, that conference is just wacky and upside down. Now, as far as a couple of other big games, as I mentioned, Florida will play South Carolina on Saturday. For me, that'll be my go-to early game. Florida's a five-point favorite in that one. The other game, of course, that will have everyone's attention, including Sean's, will be that Michigan-Penn State game. This is Michigan's last stand here, I think. This is it. Michigan's got to basically run the table to save this season. They, they Look, they could do it. Penn State's going to have all their fans wearing white. It's a whiteout in Happy Valley on Saturday night. Penn State's also a pretty big favorite in this one, too. If they're going to get it done, this has got to be it. And then Michigan in a few weeks, about a month from now, they have to beat uh, Ohio State, I think, to salvage anything from this disappointing season for sure. So the college football season is going to heat up. We're going to have a fun run toward the championship and a fun run, I think, toward the Heisman Trophy as well. We could literally have the Heisman Trophy game, which is rare, when uh, Alabama takes on LSU. You could have Tua versus Burrow for the Heisman. The winner comes out with that. I wonder if you can do live betting during the – do they take those bets down during the game? <laughs> because it's like like I, the winner is going to win, I think. I, I mean, look, Fromm is out of it now. There's no doubt about that. Could Jalen Hurts sneak in there and win for uh, Oklahoma? Remember, it was this time last year that Kyler Murray won a couple of big games and then all of a sudden in mid-October became the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. It took him two months. It took people two months for him to become the Heisman Trophy winner. It took a full year for him to become the first overall pick. How insane is that? Guy came out of nowhere last year and did it. All right, Jamie Eisenberg will join us next year on the show. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish here on FNTSY Radio, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. As always, we are joined by Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports and CBSSports.com here on the show. And it is a Friday. We'll preview the weekend coming up in our next segment. But on this segment, when we have Jamie here, we look back at Thursday night and potentially 
on a Thursday night that completely changed the landscape of the fantasy football season. So let's dive right into this, Jamie. Everyone was watching this last night. I mean, I had, of course, the baseball game on, and then I tune in, and I see Patrick Mahomes on the ground, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how I should feel, honestly, about this one, Jamie, because for reality, it's bad. For fantasy, it's bad. But for me... It was okay because I didn't have him. And I know that's like a bad way to look at things. But, uh, I mean, I got to feel bad for for Pat, obviously. I mean, that's terrible for him. But for fantasy owners of him, I mean, you're waiting on a result today that could end up being, uh, you know, season-type deal. You want me to give you a second to walk that one back about not feeling bad for Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel bad for him, but 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 we're we're in a zero sum world here, where immediately I think, do I have Mahomes in any fantasy league? The answer is no, and it, and I'm competitive. I want to win, you know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jamie, look, if you you draft a million teams, if you had no Patrick Mahomes, isn't there a piece I have no of Patrick you? Mahomes. Okay, so isn't there a piece but of I have, you that I have Tyreek Hill, I have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and, and unfortunately some shares of the running back. So you know, I'd like to see. Uh, first off, I like to see good football. So that's that's my overriding thing all the time. Um, and 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 look, uh, you never want to see a guy get hurt. Certainly a player of his caliber. But uh, I understand where you're coming from. You know, you're you're looking at it from a selfish standpoint. So there is an eye in Mish. There's an eye in Craig, and, and, and that's the, that's a good approach. <laughs> I mean, I'm just look. I, I'm just calling it how it is. Look. If, if it look, we're Gator fans. We saw that game against LSU. Okay, we want competitive games for sure, right? But you're telling me right now, Jamie, if you heard that Jake Fromm was suspended from the Florida Georgia game coming up in a few weeks, you wouldn't go, "Oh, okay, that's uh, we'll, we'll take that." I'm a fan of the game. I, 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 again, suspension versus injury. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure we're going off on a on a, on a weird tangent here, but. Um, uh, look, it's, it's it's not good. <laughs> Nobody wants to see him uh, missing missing time because most people have shares of either Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, McCoy, you know, Hardman, Robinson. You know, there's just so many players for the Chiefs that are that this impacts that. Uh, you know, the, there's there's a there's a small minority I think of people that don't have some investment in the Chiefs. Okay, well let's let's be transparent with this conversation for those of you who are listening to Fantasy Sports today. Uh, Jamie and I, because of both of our schedules, record this interview prior to airing it. So just keep that in mind. And and again, there's obviously on Friday there's going to be some significant news as to what his MRI will show. As of recording this right now, full transparency, we don't know the answer to that. So we're just going to go off assumption that at the very minimum, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to play next week or the week after that. I mean maybe even the week after that. So let, let's just kind of start with that, Jamie, and, and go from there. So you, you're going to be giving out massive piece of, pieces of advice on fantasy football today, on Twitter, on CBS Sports. Where do you begin with this kind of advice when the best fantasy football player at quarterback is out for a period of time? If there was a silver lining to any of this, it's that it happened on a Thursday and you could potentially beat the waiver wire now. You know, you can go to your waiver wire and see which quarterbacks are available that could help you in week eight. And so what I think you should look for first off, you know, just based on some of the guys in the mid tier range in terms of ownership percentage, Kirk Cousins gets Washington next Thursday in week eight. Matthew Stafford gets the Giants at home in week eight. Jacoby Brissett, who's been playing well, gets Denver, and we just saw what that defense looks like, and yeah. we may find out that Chris Harris could get traded 
Um, so that's something to look at, you know, in terms of the guys around like 75% ownership. Then you look at the guys on a lesser scale, and, and typically what we do is we look at 65% ownership or less on our site, so that factors in the 10-team leagues. So Gardner Minshew gets the Jets. In that same game, and I think from a long-term perspective, the best option, Sam Darnold, gets the Jaguars without Jalen Ramsey, and the schedule for the Jets past Week 8 is unbelievable with two games against Miami in that span between Week 9 and Week 14. They get the Bengals, they get the Eagles, uh, excuse me, they get the Bengals and the Redskins. Um, it, it's a very favorable slate for Sam Darnold, so long-term, he may be the best bet for you. Uh, Ryan Tannehill gets Tampa Bay if he comes out of the Week 7 game playing well and is the starter there. Mason Rudolph gets the Dolphins in Week 8. So you mm. can go pick up one of these guys now, drop somebody at the end of your bench, and so you're not panicking come Tuesday or Wednesday night when waivers run and you're thinking, okay, who's available? Now, there hopefully will be somebody in that span of now and Tuesday that could emerge or somebody that gets dropped, and you could pivot to that guy. And there's obviously Matt Moore now. But I think if you're planning ahead, which most people should be doing, find the replacement option right away and just sort of make yourself feel a little bit at ease that you have a starter for week nine and potentially moving forward. All right, so there's great advice from Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports, cbssports.com. The other piece of the puzzle is no matter what happens with Mahomes, as you alluded to at the beginning of this segment, is that this is going to affect everybody in fantasy. Now, Matt Moore, as we saw, we both Jamie and I both live in South Florida, we saw for many years in different spurts, can throw a deep ball, but in general, he's more of a game manager, although he did hit Hill on a big one yesterday. So are, are, are all of these players, Jamie, on the Chiefs still must starts? And I guess we would probably go in tiers here. I, I would guess Kelsey and Hill, no matter what, you're just not going to have better options. But where do we go from there at this point? Because all of those nice, sexy Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson and even when Watkins is healthy and this and this craziness that's going on with their running back situation this year. I, I mean, that one I couldn't have predicted. Uh, are those guys all sit or sit and cut at this point? I think when you look at the secondary pieces, it's easy to move on from Hardman and Robinson and Pringle when everybody's healthy. So let's assume Sammy Watkins is back with 10 days to rest for week eight against Green Bay. So Tyree Hill, as you saw, he caught the touchdown from Matt Moore. He did it on Chris Harris. It was a tight throw, and Tyree Hill did the rest in terms of after he made the catch. So that's encouraging, and I think you still start him. He goes now from a top five receiver to top 15. And, you know, I don't think you're benching him. Deal with those guys. I hope it's more Michael Thomas than it is Juju because – you know, things have certainly been up and down for the Steelers, but I think Tyreek Hill is the type of receiver, as you can see, doesn't need 15 targets to have the chance to help your fantasy team. Now, Travis Kelsey, based on how you describe Matt Moore, should still be fine. And as we've seen from a lot of inexperienced quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, whatever you want to you know, describe them, the tight end is the security blanket. You know, And so with Travis Kelsey being who he is, the volume of targets and catches still still be there, but probably the downfield plays is what concerns you. So, um, you know, we just got finished recording our, our fantasy football today podcast uh, Friday morning as well. And, you know, our host Adam Azer was saying, you know, well, where does Kelsey rank rest of season? And I think he's still in the top six or seven. Now I'm not going to trade Ertz or Kittle or Ingram, you know, one of those guys to acquire Kelsey, but I may still be looking to buy low on him and selling Darren Waller. Um, the high end of that may be Mark Andrews, but I'd probably just stick with Andrews at this point. 
But, you know, it's just one of those situations where you're still going to start Travis Kelsey most weeks and just hope that he finds the end zone more times than not, which has obviously been a problem for me moving Mahomes now. So, you know, what you're buying with the Chiefs is you're still buying Andy Reid, and that's what makes this thing still successful is that I don't think he's going to change the offense completely without Mahomes in there. It'll be almost like what we got with Alex Smith with a game manager that got great production out of his tool. Yeah, and, and with Kelsey, indeed, I mean, look, the tight ends that were deemed elite at the beginning of the season are not producing, but they're producing a, the, the gap between those guys and the rest is just so vast that it almost makes that those picks worth it, even though that their production isn't even close. So that's been an interesting part of the season. Uh, quickly to Denver here, Jamie. They were in a great spot last night, uh, you know, coming off a really good win against Tennessee. They're at home. They're at mile high. Uh, you know, Kansas City looked so bad the week before defensively against Houston. Uh, I expected Denver to put up a pretty good performance in this one, and early on it looked that way, and then it completely went south. I would guess realistically, Jamie, what you said is true. If a trade deadline is indeed coming up, well, the Broncos should just be punting. I mean, there's they have no business competing this season. And, uh, and I thought in particular the running game was really disappointing for me because Kansas City couldn't stop Carlos Hyde at all last week. And, uh, and man, Lindsey and Freeman just vi- virtually did nothing yesterday. Yeah, I mean, at least with Freeman, you can hang your hat on the touchdown. You know, So for him, the first time he finds the end zone, he's still playing more snaps. Then Lindsay, you know, it's been basically a 50-50 split in terms of touches. But they like Freeman, you know, surprisingly enough in a lot of passing situations. So, you know, I, I think if you come out of that game, he's probably somebody that you say, okay, now he scores. Now there's maybe something you could build on. Is he the, the future of their backfield? You know, because he was the one that they invested in. And if you talk to anybody sure. around Denver this offseason, they're really excited about him coming back. He dealt with a high ankle sprain for a good portion of last year, and, and I think that really hindered him. So he's probably the one that if there's a, a glimmer of hope, you, you look at that and say, okay, and then along with Cortland Sutton also, who had a good game. But, yeah, I was with you. I thought it would be a big week for Lindsey, big week for Freeman, um, and and just a total letdown. That offensive line for the Broncos was a disaster, as you saw with Joe Flacco. And the, the problem is, is that, you know, until Drew Locke is ready to go, not that he's the answer, but at least it's something different, you know, they're going to stick with Joe Flacco for the time being because Locke is on, you know, on injured reserve, you know, and just starting to get back to practice. So um, it's, uh, it's a situation where I think one of the Denver beat writers, I apologize for not crediting the right person, but uh, tweeted that um, it could be the last home game. In, it could have been the last home game in Denver for Chris Harris and Emmanuel Sanders. Mm-hmm. So they may be moving on from those veterans. Like you said, I think it's in, a, in their best interest of trying to explore getting draft picks for those guys and, and hopefully rebuild their roster. Yeah, no doubt. They, I mean, look, they could compete. They always have a good home field advantage. I could see them competing next year, but uh, no interest at all this year. And it's interesting that the Denver offensive line and a couple of their linemen through the first four or five games had been called for so many holding penalties that Elway and, and other people in the organization just basically said, we don't want you holding anymore. We don't want those penalties. And you see what the result is. He got sacked eight times. They may want to hold. It's the only way to stop that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today. When we come back, a lot of injury news and notes. We'll hit on the Rams running back situation, too. That's a big one going into the week. You're listening to Fantasy Sports today. Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports. We'll be right back after this. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. 
Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. As always, on Friday, we bring in Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports, cbssports.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jamie Eisenberg, as we touch on a lot of the different stories coming up in fantasy football for the week, which is a peculiar week in general. A lot more injuries than you would expect at this time of the season. I feel like we were almost, other than quarterbacks, kind of injury-free after the first or second week when we hit that flurry of of injured guys. Then we had the Barkley injury, of course. But for the most part, guys have played all year. Now, all of a sudden, with bye weeks and having to pick up players, it becomes very tough. Now, Jamie, a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, you know, once once the girly news just kind of percolated a little bit, I grabbed this kid Henderson in every league that I possibly could. I remember him in the draft, and, and look, I didn't think anything of it, but this is, to me, maybe my home run spot in a couple of fantasy leagues. And, and look, I still think Todd Gurley finishes out the season with the Rams, as we've talked about previously. Uh, I, I think his career is trending so far downward that I could see anybody Wally pipping him coming in and taking his gig. I could see it. But what concerned me last week, Jamie, with the Rams was the still third and one and fourth and one short runs to Malcolm Brown that he didn't get. And then on their uh, on the 49ers 20-yard line, again, on another fourth down, they ran the ball, Malcolm Brown. He didn't get it again. Gurley is that guy that can get you a yard or two. Reminds me of when Marcus Allen was with Kansas City at the end of his career. Maybe that's the way we're trending with Gurley. I don't know. But if you wouldn't mind, update us what you think happens here with the Rams running back situation. Again, understanding that the practice reports for Friday are not yet out, and I know that that will be crucial later today. Yeah, obviously. I think it comes down to if Gurley plays, you have to buy into the fact that he's healthy enough and going to get the touches to the same level, maybe not the same level of you know where he was playing basically 90% of the snaps, but healthy enough that he'll be the primary rusher. Now, if he's out and it's Malcolm Brown and De- uh, Daryl Henderson again, then I think it's a messy situation that you may want to avoid probably looking at those two guys as flex options at best. I still give a slight nod to Brown because of the short yardage work which would lend itself to him working near the goal line, which we saw from Gurley in the two previous games when he combined for four rushing touchdowns. Now, if both guys are out because Malcolm Brown's dealing with an ankle injury and it's only Daryl Henderson, then, oh boy, you should start him across the board. Um, the matchup should be good enough against Atlanta, especially they tend to struggle with pass-catching running backs. It's been a little bit better for them this year than in years past, but we just come off a game where the Cardinals had two receiving touchdowns from their running backs and David Johnson and Chase Edmonds. And so that's, I think, a spot where Daryl Henderson can win. If you watched that game last week, which it sounds like you did, and I'm sure most people listening did, or at least got a chance to see some of it, Daryl Henderson is explosive beyond belief. He turns the corner like it's a college game, like it's a high school game. You know, he's just got the ability to make a difference for this offense. And so I would hope that they saw something that, while he may not fully grasp the playbook, he may not be ready to be great in pass protection, and he may not be better than Todd Gurley, but they need to get him more touches on the field. So don't cut him yet, just in case you know Gurley's injury is something that relapses if, in fact, he does play. But if they're going to force Malcolm Brown down our throats and down their own throats, they're making a mistake with their team. So I think Henderson has the chance to be very good down the stretch and certainly somebody that could be started this week if both guys in front of them are out. Let, let, let me uh, double down on this one. What if Brown is the only one out this week, and it's Gurley and Henderson? Are they both startable? I, I, 
No, I don't think you could start Henderson with any semblance of confidence. Now, it could be a good daily play, you know, just with the hope of, sure. okay, he's the home run play, and, and, and again, you know, he's the one working in passing down situations. There's just no way to know that if Gurley is active, how many snaps will play, recurrence of injury, or if he's just going to be fine and he's full go. You know, it's, it, it's always the guessing game when you're talking about playing the backup behind the start. You know, it, it's kind of the same conversation we had last week with Chase Edmonds. It actually ended up being good because they yeah, used Edmonds good. quite a bit and he scored. Uh, so it could be the same case with Henderson, but you just never know how these, uh, how these backups are going to go unless it's a clear-cut sharing situation like with the Denver guy. Yeah, I played Edmonds and I sat Miles Sanders and <laughs> go figure, you know, like I, the, the Philly situation is driving me nuts all year. But uh, I, I think yeah. Sanders is the better guy, but I, I don't know that we're ever going to see that this year. Uh, OK, sure. so our weekly Packers wide receiver situation as the world turns here, still no Devonte Adams. The other dudes are questionable at best. I mean, it looks like maybe Valdez Scantling plays, although you cannot play this guy in any fantasy league anymore, that's for sure. And Allison, right. if he was the only one playing, man, I would love him. You know, I mean, Aaron. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is throwing for 200 yards in this game, so they're going somewhere. And I, as I've told you before, Jamie, I think this is the end for Jimmy Graham. He just doesn't look like the same guy anymore. I understand when he's wide open and they hit him in the chest. Sometimes he'll catch the ball, but uh, I, I think he's trending very poorly. So. Uh, Alan Lazard in all of my fantasy leagues was scooped up. I was unable to get him. I did. Tr- oh, actually, I did get him in one league, but I tried to get him er- everywhere just to see, Jamie. You know, like when Rogers says, put this guy in and play him. I mean, what is this? Like 50% LaFleur, 50% Rogers in terms of running this team. Like he's basically the coach. So was Lazard the, the, the hot wide receiver pickup this week? Is he not? Is Ryan Grant now who was claimed something? Or again, is this a practice report, see who plays type situation? What are you advising this week? I mean, look, if they're all out, if Adams, which is almost a certainty, doesn't play, and then the other two guys with with Allison having to clear the concussion protocol after playing on the Monday night, you would assume he's not going to go. And then Valdez-Scantling, you know, uh, same situation. Then Lazard is absolutely in play. Um, would not be a surprise, though, if we get a, uh, hey, Jay Kumaro was the guy, or hey, Ryan Grant was the guy. Because, you know, I think Rodgers at this point is just, I just need to find somebody who's open and I can trust. And I think part of the reason with Lazard was the Shepherd kid having the ball bounce off of his hands and his face on the punt return and, and the interception. Um, Rogers probably just tired of that. So, you know, if, if the story is accurate, then he went over and said, hey, can 13 go? <laughs> you know, because he just needs somebody that he, he feels he can rely on. Then you should rely on him also. Daily, he is a almost free space because you're taking the chance on a Rodgers receiver against the Raiders at home. If he's getting five-plus targets, as we saw in just the fourth quarter, he got five targets and four catches, then that's something to uh, to bank on, given the, the, the price tag that he has on, on any site that you play on. Um, and seasonal, yeah, he's, he's in that number three receiver conversation. Right now I have him ranked behind Valdez-Scantling because I still think I agree with you it's tough to play MVS, but there would probably be a higher ceiling for him just – knowing how Rodgers thinks of him. But if he's not 100% and you are looking at it as take the chance on on, on the new face and, and the devil you know versus the devil you don't, then Lazard right. should have a chance to, uh, to to play well here. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's part of it. And, and when you have Rodgers, I know that they are scaling back his workload significantly, which is probably smart. But th- th- this guy is not throwing less than 200 yards in a football game. And so... Uh, Lazard goes five for 50. All of a sudden, he's wide receiver three. So that's that's definitely part of that conversation. Uh, speaking of which, Tom Brady is a guy that always throws for 200 yards. 
And the one player I wanted to ask you about, because for all of these years we've been waiting, and it certainly seems like it's trending in the wrong direction, is Josh Gordon, who people are having to make a decision on this week. And we're not going to know because it's a Monday night situation. So perhaps if you're a Gordon owner and you have Crowder, I mean, that's something that you can do is slip him in at the last minute. But is this the end for Gordon, Jamie? Is, is all the hype that never really lived out, and now when he's actually on the field, he doesn't play? How do you think New England trends going forward too because they've had some injuries to the wide receivers as well my guess is is that the Bengals front office is tired of getting calls from the patriots for aj green at this point because if they're not calling them every day and saying we'll give you this we'll give you this we'll give you this it's it's just doesn't make sense because they need to fix that situation because yeah gordon he doesn't look fast anymore um you know who knows how much he's been hobbled we know he got hurt in 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 their last game and so I don't know how that will carry over. It doesn't seem like he's going to play uh, this week against the Jets. I would almost say that the guy you want to pick up to handcuff him with and the guy maybe better than him is Philip Dorsett because we've seen Dorsett now um, in two games without Antonio Brown when he's been healthy. He's had big games, one of them against the Jets. He had 18 PPR points in the first meeting with these two teams. And if you look at the last couple of years when he's been just around five targets per game, He's been pretty successful, certainly last year, in going into the playoffs for them. So I think Brady trusts him, you know, and, and at this point it's a matter of who can you trust. Uh, Jacoby Myers is another one that I take a flyer on, too, just to see not only if we do have Gordon out, um, Dorsett is still fighting through a hamstring injury, so if there's a recurrence there. Plus, he's a Julian Edelman injury away from really being prominent, and he was playing in the slot for them in the preseason, and we saw his preseason numbers pop. So um, th- there are two receivers for New England that could help you Right now, short-term would be Dorsett. Long-term to be Jacoby Myers. And even longer-term could be Nikhil Harry, who is working his way back from the uh, the short-term uh, IR spot that they probably just put in there to stash him. So, uh, you know, this receiving core is probably going to be retooled on the fly. Uh, a trade is possible. Um, you know, the, the guys they have on their roster could start to play a little bit more. But in terms of Gordon, I think if he's out this week, you just sit on him. If he plays, he has another bad game, you're probably going to start to see him dropped in some 10-team leagues and maybe even some shallow 12-team leagues as well. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders would be also a great uh, a great fit for New England. You're right. I just, I, 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 just, I just think they need some speed. And so I agree with you. Sanders is probably someone they're exploring also. But he just kind of is another guy that does the same type of thing that a lot of their guys already do. They need somebody on the outside to sort of yeah. threaten defenses, which is why I think they they, they tried Antonio Brown. They've been trying to, you know, work things out with Josh Gordon. Uh, Dorsett, like I said, he, he's he's got a chance, but he's somewhat limited just in terms of what his overall skill set could be. Sanders is kind of is like another guy that is just catching passes but doesn't necessarily scare defenses. All right, uh, Jamie, before we wrap it up, always good with, with filling in the blanks on some potential DFS options or some picks to click for the week. You got any good uh, flying under the radar type players that we should be looking at this week? So one thing I'm doing with a bunch of my leagues is I want to play a lot of the big-name running backs, specifically Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, potentially Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, one of those four guys that you could work them in because Ezekiel Elliott's not on the main slate because they play at night, is I'm going cheap at a lot of receivers. So Alan Lazard is one, Cole Beasley, uh, Adam Humphreys, Zay Jones, um, Dante Pettis is cheap. Auden Tate is relatively cheap. I was surprised to see how – uh, inexpensive he is um, on DraftKings. He's under $5,000. So if you can find several of these cheap receivers, and as a matter of fact, in a lot of lamps, I'm playing three of them together, and then the three big running backs, you pair them with whatever quarterback that you like. You can do a Josh Allen, Cole Beasley stack. You can do a Matt Ryan and then play. Uh, the other thing is playing one of the, the top-tier tight ends. So I'm doing a lot of Matt Ryan, Austin Hooper, and then filling in these three cheap receivers with the three big running backs. I think you're going to see some of these receivers pop 
Um, again, Zay Jones could be good because no Tyrell Williams. Um, Adam Humphreys now with Ryan Tannehill. We know what the slot receiver relationship is there. Um, you know, Lazard with the opportunity as the number one guy for Green Bay. They're just so cheap, and, and there's opportunities there. And then it gives you the freedom to sort of build your teams out around that way with a lot of high-end guys that could be really good as well. Yeah, good point there also, too, with uh, with Tannehill. If we remember here in Miami, it was the Jarvis Landry show constantly. So that, that could actually be a really good uh, pick for this weekend. Jamie, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. We will... Uh, We'll sink our teeth into some Florida, South Carolina Saturday, and then some of the big ones are coming up here at the end of the year, FSU and Georgia, too. So uh, hopefully our Gators could get back on track this week. Yeah, just don't lose to South Carolina, and then let's give Georgia a run for their money. Yeah, we got a shot there, man. Get, 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 get in that SEC championship game. Anything can happen at that point. Thanks again, Jamie, for coming. I, I really appreciate I, it. I'd love, I'd love to see Florida LSU on a, on, a, on a neutral site. So let's see if we can get that happen. Yeah, me too. That's a good point. All right, thanks again. Appreciate it. All right, Jamie care. Eisenberg, CBS Sports, cbssports.com, at Jamie Eisenberg on Twitter, best in the business. And we will take a quick timeout here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't forget, like and subscribe to this show. Make sure you listen to us 24-7 over on SportsGrid, Zumo TV this weekend. They're going to be live at the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, one of the great spots to wager on sports and catch some great live programming with all of the fantastic talent that we have here at SportsGrid and FNTSY. Quick timeout is upon us. I'll have some exit velocity next as we wrap up the week of shows. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. Welcome back as we get ready to wrap up the show. And, of course, the Yankees potentially getting ready to wrap up their season against the Houston Astros. We end this show not with baseball, but with a little football here and exit velocity. I feel the need. Exit Velocity. Nice Velocity. Well, folks, here we are, and another one of the top players in the NFL sidelined in Patrick Mahomes. I am as big an NFL fan and as big a gambling fan and as big a fantasy fan as any of you. But I got to tell you, these people thinking of extending the NFL regular season with the amount of injuries that they are in this league. Arguably the two most popular players in the league in Barkley and Mahomes, both sidelined for extended periods of time. I mean, you could crap on baseball all you want, and you can pretend like college football is not as good as the NFL, but I got to tell you, the games in college football are way more competitive, way more fun, and they hold your interest from morning to night. Honestly, I don't know that I would even be watching the NFL if there was no fantasy and there was no gambling. It's because of situations like this. You cannot afford to have your top players not playing in any league in sports. And in this particular case, what I'm rooting for is me winning in my fantasy leagues, 
but I'm obviously also rooting for Patrick Mahomes to come back quickly. No one ever wants to see an injury, and although, yes, it does make my fantasy teams better in the matchups like this week that I'm playing against Mahomes, but it is bad news for the NFL to not have arguably their best player off the field for an extended period of time. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Jamie Eisenberg for coming on and being part of this program. Thanks to my producer, Sean Glostamaki, and also the help from Chris Bavona. I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. Talk to you Monday at noon right here on FNTSY Radio. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya.